This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning, all. While that's warming up, can you hear me okay? This is not my normal skill set. And I'm glad the AC just kicked on because I was going to say I lack that skill set too because I don't know where the controls are to turn it down. And I think I'm hotter than most of you right now. So, All right. Uh, any second now. Plug it in. It's a very old picture. I had more hair there. All right. So today I'm going to start out with some spoilers so that I can make sure that I get through everything okay. Maybe somebody set a timer for like 35 minutes. There we go. All right. This is about Job. Job has been a challenge for me for a long time. I actually saw a scene in a movie. I think it was a cowboy movie a long, long time ago, 30, 40 years easily. And there was a stoic old preacher standing up and everybody was dressed in black and there's their casket and they're lowering it into the ground and he's quoting from the old good book. He's quoting from Job. That was my earliest recollection or memory of Job. I thought, wow, that's kind of dull and boring. You say this stuff when dead people are there? I mean, come on. So then I uh, spent some time trying to read through Job, and it was really tough. It's really tough if you read it. It's, it's an amazing book, but it's tough. And I would like to give us some backstory and some spoilers. So let's go over to John 10.10. And this is probably one of the key, because we're going to meet this character that's talked about. Is that me making all the bumps? Okay. All right, I'll just try to, try to do better. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's Jesus talking. We're going to find out who that thief is in just a minute. Now we're going to go over to James 5.10 and 11. This says, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing and that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. That's going to play a big part in this. And you're going to say, I don't see the compassion and mercy, but just hang in there. Now we're going to go to Ezekiel 14, 12 through 21. We're not going to read all of that. It's a really long passage, but here's the general gist. I just wrote it up there so I wouldn't forget it and so that you would be able to look back on it. This is key. This is God himself through this prophet saying Job was a really righteous guy. Here's the verse that I want to specifically focus on. Uh, 13 and 14. Son of man, if a country sins against me, by committing unfaithfulness, and I stretch out my hand against it, I will destroy its supply of bread, send famine against it, and cut it off from both man and beast. 
even though these three men, now these guys get named, Noah, Daniel, and Job, even if those three lived in that city, their own righteousness could only deliver themselves. Nobody else. It would only deliver themselves. So these three guys were really righteous. This is God himself saying this. That's verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying. So, those are some spoilers. Now we'll get started. The long road to patience. And hopefully you won't feel like this lesson is really a long road to patience for you. Can you see that around? I practiced yesterday. I had two of my kids here. And they got to sit in the audience and, and just absorb this. And then they got to ask questions. I said, I don't know if I'm going to do questions tomorrow. There was, a land in the, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. We don't know exactly where the land of Uz was. There are some people in the, in the Bible named Uz, and we think that maybe the land that they lived in was named after them, but we don't know where it was specifically. And we don't even know when this was written. It just shows up in the Hebrew collection of scriptures. We, we just don't know. Uh, it's an ancient version of Hebrew. As a matter of fact, there's some words that exist in that, in the original manuscripts, that we have no clue what they mean. We just take our best guess. So here's a picture of the Middle East. Right there, if I can steady my shaking hand, that's the land of Israel right there. We think that this was us right down here. There's the Sinai Peninsula where the Israelites wandered for 40 years. Another cool thing about this is there's no mention of the Israelites. There's no mention of the Hebrews. There's no mention of God giving the law. It's all kind of pre that period of time. We don't know by how much. We just don't know. This tells us more about Job. Job had those seven sons and three daughters, and they would occasionally go in and feast in one of their houses. So we think that these kids were old enough to have kids. We think that these kids were old enough to be out of the house, young adults. And so the oldest would say, hey, it's my birthday. Come on over, everybody. And all the kids would get together, and they'd have a great party at that guy's house and enjoy it. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them. He would rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, maybe that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Job did this regularly. This is a really good guy. This is pre-law. Who told him to do this? How did he know that this was a good thing? I have no idea. I'm assuming it was God. So, this is where the story kind of takes a twist. Because unbeknownst to Job, who we'll put over here, hopefully for the remainder of today's lesson, there's something that happens over here, behind this wall. The curtain opens, and it's heaven. So, we're examining what's happening in heaven. Keep in mind, Job does not know what's going on here. 
Now there was a day when the sons of God, that Hebrew means angelic beings, angels. But it doesn't only mean angels. It means angelic beings that were faithful to God, and it means angelic beings that rebelled and were not faithful to God. I'll explain that one in a minute. They came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, he's called the Satan in Hebrew. That's his title, the Satan, the accuser, the adversary. He shows up too. Now I thought, how can anything holy show up in God's, or anything unholy show up in God's holy presence? I'm struggling with this. This is kind of weird. Hang in there. Apparently God ordered him to be there because God wanted to know what he'd been doing. Like he wanted to get a report from his other angels. So the Lord said to Satan, Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered, hey, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So there's a conflict here between these two. Satan is it by no means God's equal. He is a subservient creature. He is a created thing. He is not equal to God. That's kind of a a belief that's out in the world. You know, you got these two big big beings warring over us, and one's Satan and one's God. God's over everything, and Satan is under God's control. He's he's let off on a leash occasionally. We're going to see that. So in the midst of this conversation that these two are having, among all the other angels, God says, look at Job. Have you considered him? There is nobody on earth like him. I don't know if this was a veiled slap or a direct affront. Hey, Satan, you rebelled. You lost your place. You gave it up. Look at Job. He's human. He's weaker than you. And he still serves me. He fears God, he shuns evil, he's blameless and upright. God is in the business of examining his creation. Both angelic beings and humans get examined. Notice that God tells Satan that there is none like Job on the earth. And that's where Satan's been. So God is directly comparing and contrasting. You're on earth, Satan? Have you considered Job? He's my guy down there. You are not. So Satan answered the Lord. This is, a, this is an argument. Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around everything he has, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Wow. Satan slandered both God and Job by this. He only serves you because you give him stuff. And you only have followers because you give them things. You don't give people things, they're going to stop following you. You're nothing. This is Satan's response to God. That's wicked. Take all of his stuff away and see what happens. Okay, I don't want this said about me in heaven. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only don't touch him. Don't put a finger on him. So Satan left. All right. Uh, I'm going to derail. Natasha went to uh, Colorado for about two weeks. 
Eileen and I were sitting in the house and the phone rang on my phone and then Gaylene's phone rang. And it was one of those emergency alert things. You know how like if there's an amber alert or something. Well, this said Natasha sent out an SOS call. Have you ever done that by accident? Have you ever seen that done or had that happen to you? We, we kind of looked at it and thought, nah, maybe she just pushed the volume button five times in a row real quick and it said, hey, do you want to send an emergency call? And somebody bumped it and it happened again. And the third time, Gaylene said, that's it, I'm calling where she's at. I'm going to check. And we had visions. Actually, let me take it back. I had the vision. I mean, there's been mass shooting. Oh, something's horrific there. This is terrible. I'm in the depths of despair because some phone sent out an emergency alert. Now, Natasha was fine. She was okay. You guys have all seen her. Her phone turned out to be in the bottom of a collection of 180 phones. And somehow it got pushed and bumped and it just sent this message out three times. And the police were actually calling her phone and contacting her. And, and, and so everybody was concerned, but there was no harm, no foul. We're going to see some emergency alerts, four of them, that go up, and they're real. They're horrific. Yeah, there's a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Don't gloss over that as quickly as we will this morning. Job's servants were people that he knew. They were either relatives or neighbors or distant relatives and neighbors of the distant relatives. These are people he knew. I don't think he'd let his 7,000 camels just be out there with anybody. He knew these people. They probably ate together. Hey, how's Sally? How's Fred? Come on over. Let's, let's have dinner. I really appreciated the way you took care of my camels that, that day. Uh, only one comes back. There are a lot of funerals happening after this statement. I don't know how they're going to happen. I don't know where the bodies are out in the... They didn't have pastures and pens. They had fields like... No gates, no, no fences. This is, this is the people who are kind of the, the border of these sheep pens and, and herds. So this is a little bit of a map. Kind of bear with me. I stole it from the internet. Uh, this is possibly the land of us here. Edom is here. Israel here. There are some people that we're going to see that come from this area and some people that we see coming from this area to attack Job. Job is the greatest man in that neighborhood and they want a piece of what he's got. These are wicked people. Somebody controls them who only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. While that messenger was speaking, another came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone have escaped to tell you. Don't know why they thought it was God's fire. Maybe this had been a phenomenon that happened prior, or maybe Job's herds got too close to the land of Sodom and Gomorrah right after Abraham and God talked about it. Maybe they were feeding right here in this area, or in this area, which is hilly with some 
food and some rivers for water. That plain is well watered, the Bible tells us. It's nice farmland. And if Job's stuff wandered too close to Sodom and Gomorrah and he didn't get the message to stay away, they burned up. It's pretty horrific. I don't know if that happened or if Satan was allowed to control the weather or control something. While he was still speaking, this is emergency alert number three. Another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped. This is kind of a downer. This is rough. That's it. Picture again, the Chaldeans broke into three bands. Apparently, kind of back up over here. I've been on a feedlot with about 9,000 sheep. It's a big place, kind of smelly. There were 30 huge dogs that would kind of fill up this room. They stood about that tall. And I thought, boy, if these dogs were ever mad at me, they would eat me and they'd never find my body. So that many sheep or that many animals in one area had to spread out, and so the, the, whoever this was, the Chaldeans, decided to split into three bands, let's take them, let's surround them, let's attack them. Keep in mind, there's got to be some burials and some funerals for a lot of people. We have no idea how many people died. While he was still speaking, this will pick up and this will get better. Another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone escaped to tell you. So, Satan, not in heaven anymore, he's over here. He sees this happening, and he's like, yes, I've got him. Job gets up, tears off his robe, shaves his head. Galen shaved my head today. Took five minutes with the razor, like a powered razor, this little Bluetooth thing. Joe probably had a straight razor or a knife, and he had to get in there and do this, and he had to be, I don't know how long it took him to work through that, but I'm sure he was stressed, and I'm sure that his haircut reflected that, and this guy over here, this wicked guy, was thinking, I've got him. He is devastated, and he's going to curse God. He didn't. He actually worshipped. Go back to that. He worshipped. Parked there for a while. He worshipped. What did that worship look like? Verse 22, or 21 and 22. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. Somebody here this morning said, hey, when you go in the box, you don't take anything with you. Derek, you said that. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Last sentence, very important. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Satan does not give up. I'm not going to go over round two, but it happened. Satan comes back to God and just says, I'm going to unleash on Job again because 
He's not really concerned about all those people. All those friends he lost, doesn't care. He's wicked. And the children he lost, it's not affecting him. Don't you see how warped he is? And he serves you? That's wicked. So God gives Satan permission to attack Job personally. Job ends up with painful boils from head to toe. He sits in an ash heap at the local city dump where they burn garbage because it's probably the most sanitary place for him to be. He's probably been kicked out of his house. His wife is like, you're not bringing that stuff in here. Remember the context. Job knows nothing of the conversation that took place up here. Zero. It's all what's happening to me right now. I've lost everything. My wife comes to me and says, curse God and die, buddy. I mean, she's lost everything too. I want to cut her some slack. So what do we do? So what happens next? Next 40 chapters of Job, pretty amazing. We are not going to go through each one of them. I spent the last eight weeks listening or reading or trying to totally immerse myself in what this stuff was about. And at first it hit me like, I have no clue. It's some, it's some, I'm going to derail for a second. Who likes sword fights? Okay. There's like a sword fight scene of words. These people are arguing with words. And these words are recorded. One guy says one thing and somebody responds with another. They're parrying, they're thrusting, they're defending, they're blocking, they're attacking. Job's three friends hear what happens. In that map that I showed you a few minutes ago, he's got three friends that live kind of out there and they're probably almost as rich as he is. And They've been friends for some time. They arrive, chapter 2, verse 11, we'll read that in just a second. They sit in silence, mourning with Job for a full week without saying anything. When I heard early on what happened to baby Rhett, what is happening to baby Rhett, that just shredded me. I, I felt, I feel so strongly that I want to support Clint and Amy and their family because their baby needs help. And this is one child and then the Pia's family got hit. And Kaylin said, this is very strange for these two things to be happening like this. And then for both families to end up at the same hospital at the same time. Job has some time now to absorb what's happened to him. Maybe it's been a week. He's been sitting here in this ash pile for about a week. And he's thinking about all that's happened. And he, he says, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't sin in this area or this area or this area. And I don't know why this is happening. As three friends show up and they're kind of on an intervention. Job is really struggling. And chapter 3 records Job's struggle. There is darkness and death and misery, the grave and fear. Job actually wants to die. He, he's done with life. This is too much. 
It's very important to reiterate, I'm going to say this probably several, several more times today, none of these calamities happened because of any sin that Job had committed. Not his children dying, not the strain between him and his wife, not his friends, relatives, neighbors, servants being killed, nor the loss of animal or livelihood. Job knew that he hadn't sinned. He was not aware of the satanic challenge to God. Three friends come to Job, and they've heard about this. This is like gossip. Did you hear what happened to Job? I can't believe it. Did you hear what happened to Job? He's, I can't believe it. Let's go help him. And then they're on the way, and they think, you know what? He probably sinned. He probably sinned. There's another reason why one of them is going to say that. Eliaphaz the Temanite, he's listed first. We'll talk about him more. Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment to come and mourn and comfort him. They did not know what happened in heaven either. They were not part of that conversation. They had their own opinions and assertions. Eliaphaz thinks Job has sinned. He wants to get to the bottom of it. In chapter 4, verse 7, Eliaphaz says, and these may be uh, paraphrases, the innocent don't perish. The upright don't get cut off. You reap what you sow, Job. God is going to get you when you sin. And then we find out in chapter 4, verse 12, why he says these things. There was a spirit that planted a vision in him. Actually, I want to back up just a second. Derail. Do you know what a jump scare is? Usually it's the kids that know what a jump scare is. You're focusing on something, and something jumps up in your field of vision and goes, wah! It's kind of a jump scare. So this is the earliest recorded jump scare in history. A vision comes to Eliaphaz. Now a word was secretly brought to me. This is Eliaphaz in his sword fighting discussion. And my ear received a whisper of it. In disquieting thoughts from the vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones shake. And a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. I stood still. It stood still. Sorry. But I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. And then I heard a voice saying, Can mankind be just before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? God puts no trust even in his servants, and against his angels he charges error. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust? Earliest recorded jump scare in history. What is this spirit's purpose and message? It had knowledge of what happened up here. It had knowledge of what happened in heaven. And it was directly influencing Job's friends to come to Job and say, you're not more righteous than God. You sin, buddy. There is sin in your life and you need to repent or worse things are going to happen. Satan down here felt accused by God. He said, God accuses me of, of wrongdoing. I bet you Satan thought he didn't do anything wrong. Will there ever be a man who is pure before God? 
That's kind of cool. If this was written 16 or 1800 years before Jesus, that's pretty amazing. Will there ever be a man who is pure before God? We're not going to go through all the other chapters of recorded arguments. Uh, Job and his three friends argue for at least 30 more, and then an onlooker jumps in for five chapters after Job's friends can't convince him to repent of his sin. This young kid shows up, and at first, when I read this 20 or 30 years ago, I thought, oh, he's, I want to be like that kid. He's able to go in there and clean house. And that wasn't it either. He just kind of yelled louder. And then God himself makes an appearance and has something to say to Job and his three friends. But we're going to back up just a second. Job 7, 17 through 21. What is man that you magnify him? What is man that you lift him up, that you even think about him? And that you're concerned about him, that you examine him every morning and try him every moment. Will you never turn your gaze away from me? nor let me alone until I swallow my spittle and I, I just stop living. Have I sinned? What have I done to you, O watcher of men? God, what, what have I done to you? This, this is Job. 17 through 21 continued. Why have you set me as your target so that I'm a burden to myself? Why then do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust and you will seek me, but I will not be. So Job's talking about the very real possibility of sin being forgiven. Now, how did Job know how to do that? Down here, he had this altar, and every time his kids got together for a party, he would sacrifice animals on that altar to get their sins forgiven, to make them right before God. That's a great dad, by the way. We, we are not called to do that. Not now. Somebody... Somebody is there for us. We're going to see what the... That may have been the earliest recorded book in the Bible, and I, I don't know if I built that up enough. Uh, I don't mean that Job happened before creation, obviously. I mean that the account of Job happened before Moses started writing down Genesis. Genesis, uh, the creation happened, and then... Job happened, and then Moses came on the scene and wrote down some things from, from God. But we'll see what they knew about salvation. Job 14, 1-4. Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower he comes forth and then withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. You, God, also open your eyes on him and bring him into judgment with yourself. Who can make the clean out of the unclean, no one down here. Doesn't say the down here, I added that. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. You will call and I will answer you. That's God calling us. and We will answer him. That's Job saying, you will call and I will answer you. You, God, will long for the work of your hands for now you number my steps, you do not observe my sin. My transgression is sealed up in a bag, and you wrap up my iniquity. Job 15, 14 through 16. This is Eliaphaz. This is Job's friend who kind of nuked him. This is Job's friend who is motivated by the Spirit. 
What is man that he would be pure, or he who is born of a woman that he would be righteous? Behold, he has no trust in his holy ones, or the ones that have fallen, and the heavens are not pure in his sight. How much less one who is detestable and corrupt, and a person who drinks malice like, like water. Job responds, Job 16, 18 through 22, Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, my advocate is on high. My friends are scoffers. They're beating me up. My eyes weep to God like one might plead for a man with God. That one might plead for a man with God as a son of man with his neighbor. For when a few years are past, I shall go the way of no return. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were recorded in a book that with an iron stylus and lead, that they were engraved in rock forever. Yet as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet my flesh, or yet from my flesh I will see God, whom I, on my part, shall behold for myself, and whom my eyes will see and not another. My heart faints within me. Job prophesied about Jesus. A long time before Jesus arrived as a human. So God had this whole plan going from the beginning. Man's going to sin, fall away, and I need to intervene. I'm going to send my own right arm down there to save them. There's some notes here I'm just going to keep going over. Job wraps up this section, and there's a year's worth of Job's life and recovery and restoration. Do you know that Job got everything back, doubled? If, if we gloss over that, we've kind of lost it. I mean, it, it's a few sentences, and it, it happens so quick. But how long did it... I, I was going to going to pick on Derek because he's the one that's got the most kids with us. Eight. How long would it take to raise ten kids to adulthood? And then have them grow up and have them have their own kids. And then have them grow up and have their own kids. So Job gets to see his great-grandchildren. And the first ten kids, they died. And they went where God wanted to send them. They went where they belonged. And God gave him, Job and his wife, 10 more children. So they had 20. And then all of those camels and all of those sheep, sheep, plural, and all of the donkeys all got doubled. But it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen that quick. Job didn't go out and steal them back. It happened over years. This is the long road to patience. Despite incredible adversity. So, James 5, 10 and 11. We read that earlier. Going to revisit that. As an example, brothers and sisters, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You've heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. 
That is really, really powerful. Even though, to Job, it seemed like horror for a long time. All of those friendships, all of those relationships, all of that hard work gone to the dust. That kind of puts things in perspective in my own life. The last two years have been very tough. My work schedule, my... God, am I enough? You know, what am I doing here? How... Did I ask for this? You know? And then I, I jump into this lesson and I think, did Satan ever say, see that clown over there named Phil? I'd like to take him apart. Did God say, okay, you can touch his employment record, but don't touch him. You can, all right, you can touch his hair. You know, vain things, you know. Uh, you, can, you can take away his work truck, his toy, you know, whatever. All of my struggles are really put into perspective by looking at what Job went through. This brings us to Jesus, the focal point of our lesson. Because it's really not Job, it's Jesus. Job was the, the, Job was the example that we were given by God to follow or to at least emulate his life. Because that's what happened before Jesus came. And now one is here in Jesus that never sinned and he was born of woman and he's a man just as righteous as God because he is God. So when he died on that altar given by given as a sacrifice by God the Father just like Job did for his kids we experience forgiveness of sin. There is so much more that can be shared. And I won't do that today. Job goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And his friends' arguments, and if you look at those, you realize they're the same arguments that people use today. Why do bad things happen to good people? And then the, the litany, it just starts all over again. Well, you did that, or God did that to you because you sinned. It's karma. Or whatever the, whatever it is nowadays, it is the same exact argument that happened in Job's day between him and his four friends that actually did all the discussing. And then God shows up and says nothing to Job about the struggle. He, he never comes to Job and says, hey, I'm going to give you a heads up. In a couple of days, you're going to lose it all. But don't worry, I'm right here with you. There is zero of that conversation happening. It does not happen. It's not recorded. It's years later, possibly, that God shared that with Job. And maybe Job was the guy who wrote this. We don't know. We don't know. Brings us back to Jesus. We are here because Jesus sacrificed for us, and we believe in him, and we want to follow him. 
And that brings us to the invite, the invitation. The do you want to be a part of this God who's in heaven, who controls everything, and even when the bad stuff happens, it's going to hurt, but it's for our good, and God will bless us. If not now, in the ash heap, if not 20 years from now, when we're older and more mature, maybe someday just in heaven. So, uh, thank you very much for your attention. Nobody gave me the kill sign, so I'm hoping that uh, that went smoothly. Uh, There is a lot to know about Jesus and a lot to know about God, and we are here to share that with people in our lives. I asked a bunch of people at work, hey, what are you doing Sunday? Moron, I'm working. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking about sharing this lesson with them. Uh, The object is to get people to fall in love with Jesus and do what he says. And then they can experience that blessing like Job had and like we want. So if you want that, uh, you can respond now or you can respond afterwards, talking to one of us or two of us, and really test this Jesus for yourself as we stand in time. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.